one o'clock on the East Coast. We're in Florida. You'll notice I'm wearing. What are you wearing? My CME golf shirt. Oh, yeah, it's pretty dope. So it is 1 p.m., 15th of November. We were supposed to play golf today. You, me, Danny Moses with Celine Boutier. Did I say that right, Danny? Yeah. Danny's here, by the way, but. He's, he's working on He's so bummed that we're not golfing. So we're down here for the CME. Well, we would have won. We would have won. We were like the number one ranked in the CME and Celine Boutier from France. And she's actually playing for the French in the Olympics this summer in Paris. And we we were paired with her last night at a pairing event that Dominic Chu of CNBC hosted. And, you know, we were all fired up. We're all ready to go. I had my golf shoes on. Rained out. You got your golf shirt still on. Yeah. Pretty cool. Well, uh, all right. So we're here. Yeah. So we got stuff to talk about. Let's go to the rundown. Because here. that's what we do. That's what we do. We got Safety a lot of stuff. Traits. To- yeah. Laggards to leaders. Yeah. That'd be a good name of a band. I saw something. Like I was a watching. Punk rock band or no? No. I was watching that Pawn Stars. Yeah. And you like that band, the Beastie Boys. Uh, and they're they just were, Beastie Boys. It's like Eagles. Boys. Like Eagles. Yeah, well, that, no, no, no. They're not anything like Eagles. Okay. okay let's fair just, enough. That's four and three and two and one. And when I'm on the mic, go Palo Alto, all yeah. reporters. Yeah. So here we are. Yeah. Another now. Yesterday, obviously, caught me off guard uh, in terms of the reaction. The bond market continues to sort of again. The volatility is back today. Yields are up about ten basis points in ten years. Market doesn't seem to care. So if you think about this, the, the ten year guy. Mm-hmm. You know where it was the day before that CPI report? Yeah, it was like four fifty five. You know where it is today? Right now, four fifty five. Ish. Some rounding. So what happened? Nothing. But the market seemed to like it. Yeah. And I'm now I actually read about the CPI number, which yeah, you did. as you said yesterday, was a little bit softer than expected. Somehow embedded in this number was a 35% year-over-year reduction in healthcare insurance. I saw this. So you know what I did? Because yeah. I'm a smart guy. I called my healthcare insurance provider and said, hey. I see that the costs are down 35% year over year. Yeah. I, I'm not seeing it in my bill. Yeah. They hung up the phone. So on what it. are you saying? It's a, a bit of a fugazi? That's exactly what I'm saying. Uh, okay. Now, I, I'm not a conspiracy theorist no. person. I don't give a shit, but I'll say this. There's no way that now maybe there's it's measured somehow that I don't understand. That's that's clearly uh, possible. But there's there's something going on here. And the, But the market championed that yesterday. And here we are today. And the market's up marginally today, the S&Ps, I think, up 11 handles or so, but rates are back to the, your levels, as you mentioned. Yep. There will be more treasury auctions, which will not go well. Um, and I look, I sit here, you know, people say, oh, you just, you, you can't accept defeat. No, it's not that at all. Um, I'm not really certain what the euphoria was yesterday, but here we are today. Well, all right, so let's just take a take a look here. So the last time the S&P 500 was at 45, 20, you know, or so, okay, we had yields that were kind of in the same spot, you know, and when you think about that, the dollar is a bit lower than where it was mm-hmm. before. Crude oil is a bit lower um, than where it is. For, those two things, I think, are all probably pretty decent for equities, if you, if you consider. But why are equities, you know, rallying it with the ferocity that they are right now when the data is coming in weaker, right? So, you know, like that's the thing is like, if you just kind of take a step back and you say to yourself, and this kind of has to bring back to the stock market too, and think about expectations for S&P 500 earnings, you know, they're basically too high for next year, right? So with a weakening economy, when you have unemployment rate ticking up, despite the fact that inflation readings are ticking down, 
if there is any reason for them to go back up, I think it was Jamie Dimon was quickly out last mm-hmm. night just saying, listen, you know, like, like not so fast here, you know, um, I don't know. Uh, listen, I go, it goes back to the target for the Fed is 2% uh, in inflation. We have a 3.2% CPI, X food and energy is 4%. I know that this PPI came in uh, more than people expected, but um, you know, I, I just think the ingredients for why the stock market rallied in, to the extreme that it did doesn't make a lot of sense. So, you know, I mean, you could say, well, Uncle, so part of it, I think is the market getting ahead of this notion that they're going to be cuts. And Danny mentioned this yesterday, yeah, I did. a lot earlier next year than people probably think. And maybe that's true. So if, if your play is Fed cuts, stock market goes higher. It's just that simple. Okay. As you would say, have added people. Yeah. Um, you mentioned inflation. Yeah. And I know, you know, I'm not trying to be nuanced. I'm not trying to be, you know, semantic thing here, but Inflation isn't going lower. It's just going up slower. It's just increasing at a slower rate. I mean, inflation is still increasing. So it's just increasing at a slower rate. It's not helping anybody out there. I mean, for most people, well, for everybody out there, inflation's up some 20-something percent cumulatively, cumulatively over the last couple of years. Let's keep that in mind as well. But to your point, you know, the unemployment rate will continue to tick higher. The economy will continue to slow. And at a certain point, that has impact on earnings. And earnings expectations for next year are still way too high. Again, people say sour grapes. It's not sour grapes. I mean, that's just the math of the entire situation. But I think there's this belief system still in place that as long as the Fed is going to be accommodative early next year, why am I going to wait? Let's get ahead of it now. And I think that's what we're seeing. At least that's what we saw yesterday. And to a certain extent today. Well, I started the week off with Liz Young on the on the tape podcast. I just said the higher that we go. Okay. And she Liz actually laid out um, on Monday morning on the pod why she thought that equities could continue to rally. And, and again, with a benign CPI report. And, and, you know, I wasn't something that I wanted to fight right there and then before the data either. Um, but the higher we go into year end, I think is the harder we fall. And, you know, there was some stuff going around on the web over the weekend or so talking about, you know, all those bears, you know, who are predicting, you know, um, the S&P, which had come off, I think, at its lows a couple of weeks ago, 10% from its highs. It was up maybe mid to high single digits on the year. And I think I said on Fast Money, I think there's a really good chance that we give all of that back, okay, uh, and maybe close flat-ish. And I was looking at the Russell 2000. Oh. I was looking at the equal weight S&P 500. I was looking at a whole host of other things, the economy weakening and just saying, well, why should we be up on the year? And so when you think about where we are right now, the S&P is up 17.5%, the NASDAQ is up 34%, and the NASDAQ 100 is up 44%. That's not happening, okay? Like, so we are not closing down in the S&P on the year right now. Let's just be really clear. It would have to take some really horrible thing to happen that none of us want to have happen. All right, so if we've only had four times since the Great Depression guy where the S&P has closed down consecutive two years in a row, and it makes the case that maybe next year is a much harder year. If earnings expectations are very high for the S&P 500, valuations remain high, the economy is slowing. And then if you think about just the wall of worry, I know that's not a term that you like to use, that we are climbing right now. If we have inflation that's sticky, if we have higher rates for longer, if we have stagnant sort of growth, if we have geopolitical hotspots all over the place, you know, to me, I think it sets the stage for maybe a very tough slog for equities next year. So again, just to put a little bow on that, the higher we go right now in the year end is the harder that we could fall early next year. And we should look at the S&P chart for illustration. So we obviously, we know this, we traded down 
through the moving average in a pretty violent way. It felt like things were going to continue to break down. That was obviously thwarted. Um, and then we've seen the move subsequently since. And now we're back through. And now here we are creating some gaps to the upside and the potential to push the levels that I guess we saw what, Dan? I'm just yeah. trying to go back in no, like August-ish or yeah. late July, yeah. right? And, so and there just, you are. Just, you know, I quoted the S&P. I was quoting the futures at 4520. So the cash is basically just around 4,500 or so. And, and again, that was the level that we kind of, you know, uh, those July highs, we came in pretty hard. We had a big rally um, in August. And then that kind of 4520 in the cash was kind of that breakdown level. But think about this. We've gone from 4190 to 4500 in literally a straight line, yeah. that 200 A straight line with a couple of gaps along the way. Yeah. And the Carter would point this out and we'll have them back, I'm tomorrow. sure, tomorrow. tomorrow. So, and we'll, we'll hash it out. But, you know, when people talk about it looks great on the way up, but these gaps that are created, as Carter will tell you, typically do get filled. And the, the violence with which we've gone higher, whatever this is, year-end chase, you know, slow markets, yeah. holiday shortened weeks that we're going to start to have. You say it all the time, have at it, people. Now, people say, well, all right, we're starting to see incrementally better things. The Target report, for example, we can look at a Target chart Let's real look quick. At target chart. Looks good. I mean, they've been pushing that thing down. We were within... You know, we kept pushing down to multi-year lows. You got an inventory that, you know, down 14%, I think, year over year, which the market champion, they beat on EPS. The fourth quarter guide wasn't anything special. I think the fourth quarter guide gets you to the midpoint of what street consensus is, about $2.25 or so. But what the market is looking at, margin improvement, um, they seem to be through their inventory problems. And people say, you know what, on valuation, I can wrap my head around this and maybe the worst is over. And maybe the worst is over for Target. I don't know. I don't think necessarily that's the case. But again, people will look to that as one more incremental reason to be bullish for the overall market. Yeah, I mean, listen, for a stock that's been cut in half over the last year and a half and you have an 18% rally, you can do the math. It's still well, well, well below um, those prior highs, especially when one of its major competitors, Walmart, makes new highs every day mm -hmm. over the last month. And we're going to look at Walmart. They report um, after the close um, tonight. Um, it, we'll, we'll look at that in a little bit. But Again, listen, you know, we say this all the time, you know, like if you're a trader, you know, the idea of pressing a stock like Target where sentiment's really bad, the stock can't get out of its own way. It acts really poorly to some of its major competitors, to the broad market, that sort of thing. Not a good press, you know, it's just not. I'm not saying you have to get in there and buy it. I wasn't suggesting that, but we were talking about it on Fast Money over the last few days in the lead up to it. Like a, a short Walmart long Target spread is makes a lot of sense, both on valuation, both on sentiment, both on a whole host of different things. And so, again, a lot of you guys are not set up to trade like that, but that's the way, you know, if you're trading in a long short equity fund and you are sector focused, those are the sorts of kind of trades that you put on. I agree with that, but I did not. I agreed with the sentiment of it, but I was one of the people that said, I understand what people are saying. People have been saying that for quite yeah. some time now that, you know, in terms of the ratio between the two, it's time to sell Walmart by Target. I was not in that camp. Turned out this was the quarter. This was the correct quarter to do it. We'll see how long that relationship lasts. I mean, as you said, we'll talk about Walmart. At least target now with this quarter, you can wrap your head around the stock in terms of valuation. Walmart is by all, by all metrics and historically speaking, it's getting a little expensive. So they better say some pretty good things yeah. in order for the stock to continue to make new all-time highs, or maybe we're going to start to see that gap close. But I want to be clear 
I thought the relative weakness of Target and the relative strength of Walmart could continue. Right. Okay. Let's look at a couple sectors that um, took it on the chin as yields went up to that 5% in the 10 year. Okay. So let's start with consumer staples. And it was very noticeable just the way that a lot of those stocks, Coke, Pepsi, Procter, you know, Johnson and Johnson were kind of careening lower. This was in September. Um, you know, the XLP, the ETF that tracks the staples had this really um, nice rally after that uh, cascading sort of low that it had here. It got right back to that kind of resistance level guy um, in the XLP. And again, you know, we've been talking about some of the names in the sector, um, their ability to kind of pass through increased costs to consumers was getting a bit more constrained, right? So that was one of the reasons why those stocks that pay good dividends deemed to be, um, you know, defensive were trading well in different periods of this year, right? When I, I guess there was, you know, um, you know, kind of negative sentiment into the broad market, but rates went up, they went down. Um, here we are now with the XLP in and around the $70 level. What do you think on these? No, sorts nothing's of changed though. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you know, their ability to pass on, I mean, they hit that point of diminishing marginal returns in terms of what they could pass on to the consumer. And obviously you saw that precipitous drop. We talked about it over the summer. I think the bounce is exactly that, a bounce and people saying- you fade it? So you I, think rates are going I, higher. You I, think I we're going back I, towards 5%. I do think, now listen, people. there are people that are like, there's no way given this, the, the weakness, I don't want to say strength of the economy, the relative weakness of the economy that rates should go higher. And I understand that argument. I think the flip side of that coin is, and this is something that Danny has talked about as well. I mean, there are going to be more treasury auctions that are not going to go particularly well. And the market's just going to demand a higher yield to buy our debt. And, you know, you go back to the Moody's. Nothing, the, the note that Moody's put out on Friday, only the stock market has changed. The underlying nonsense that they cited hasn't changed. And again, whatever continuing resolution, you know, that doesn't help the cause. We have not gotten our fiscal house in order by any stretch of the imagination. And by definition, the market's just going to demand a higher and higher rate of return to buy our debt because the incremental buyer that had been there for decades in my, they might be there, but that they're at yeah. a much higher level. Yeah. And so the same thing for utilities, they had this bounce. So again, I, I probably, if you're in the camp that rates kind of stuck here at four and a half or maybe go higher, um, and, and you were, you know, kind of bottom fishing in some of those, um, defensive se sectors, I'd take them off here just from a technical standpoint, they're mm -hmm. still in downtrends. They got back to those resistance levels. Um, the other one, um, and this is one that I know that Danny's been talking about, um, with us uh, on, on the tape. Let's look at home builders for a second. So let's look at the XHB and, and just look at this kind of precipitous that's drop. chart. Yeah. I mean, that's an inverse, you know, if you think about yeah. what that is. I mean, again, it's very similar in terms of what we saw with some of these staples that sold off. You know, we talked about home builders as well. And I will be clear that we were actually pretty constructive on home builders most of the end of last year into the summer of this year. And one of the things that we were saying pretty consistently is, and I didn't know what the level was, but I thought once yields hit a certain up in 10 year, that was going to be this line of demarcation where everything, I think it wound up being around four and a half percent ish over the summer mm -hmm. when everything sort of went not pear shaped, but that whole relationship changed. And obviously as we pushed towards 5% in the 10 year, home builders came off in a pretty market way. Now they're bouncing now on the back of yields going lower. But the question you have to ask yourself, you know, other than that bounce, what has changed? Nothing at all. So I think, and again, just my opinion, if I'm of the belief that yields are going higher, which I just stated, I don't think there's any compelling reason 
to continue to own these the XHB specifically here. Again, that's just my opinion. Other people say, wait a second, you're off sides here. The supply-demand imbalances exist. And if rates are going to go down, then you want to get on board with these home builders. And I say it all the time. That's what makes markets. Well, I'll just say this. I mean, if, if rates now are down because the economy is weakening mm-hmm. and unemployment's ticking up, and I know there's been a lot of mortgage activity with yields coming in, okay, the way they have over the last, let's call it, you know, a few weeks or so, it, it really, I mean, that, that might just be a knee-jerk reaction. I look at the XHB and I just say, okay, so it sold off nearly 20% from its highs over the summer to its recent lows. Now it's bounced 17% or so. You know, I'm looking at the options and maybe um, uh, Amanda can pull this up on the fly. Um, implied volatility, the price of options and the XHB over the last year, you can just see how it's come in fairly dramatically, you know, from above 35% in the IV um, to below or ish around um, 25 or so. And so if you want to make a directional mm-hmm. you know, that in, in the XHB, you know, I might look out to uh, when, when do you think a rate move guy? When, when do you think we could get back to 5% in the tech? Well, year? I should know when the next major next auction is. meeting is done. No, forget about, 13, you forget about those assholes. Okay, I'm okay. not interested. Whoop, whoop, no, whoop. I mean, I'm I just saying, I'm just I got not, you. It all, now it's just about treasury auctions and what and and how the market reacts to that. So yeah. I don't have it in front of me, unfortunately. You know, whilst I was donning my golf wear, yeah, I didn't you were. look it up. But there will be more auctions. And these they're not going to go. They're just not going to go well. Yeah. And the last one that we saw that was a disaster, I mean, you saw a market move in yields. I think yields spiked almost 14 basis points. And that coincided with a stock market that sold off pretty dramatically. That wasn't the first time it happened. And I'm here to tell you it won't be the last time it happened as well. So again, in a market that's demanding demanding a higher yield to buy our debt, which they should, by the way. I mean, the rating agencies are telling you that. Yeah. Yields should go higher. So here's something. So with IV and the XHB coming in this hard, and if we want to pull up then the chart, and if you look at just kind of like where you think. So so the 82 put, okay, that's the at the money put guy, all right? This, the ETF is trading at 82 bucks right now. In January expiration, you could pay about $3 for that, all right? So that's about 3.5% of the underlying price of the ETF, right? Maybe I want to turn that into... Um, a put spread. I want to mm-hmm. look at the 8272 put spread. That would cost me two and a half dollars because I'd sell one of the 72 puts at about 50 cents or so. And if I'm just looking at that on the graph, you call it a graph or do you call it a chart? I'm looking at it too. And I'm just, I, I'm looking at it with you. I call it a chart. Yeah. Some people call it a graph. But like, like, like if over the next two months, if we were to have yields go back to 5%, why shouldn't this go back to last month, the October low near 70 bucks? So you could have the $10 wide for two and a half bucks. And if you, you know, you have this thing back at 72 or lower. Right, so here you go. So here's my question to you. Yeah. Are you getting paid enough on that lower end? Yeah. You, okay. That's, that's you know a lot. It, I mean, like, listen, you know what? Like the truth is, is like, it's so far out of the money. Mm-hmm. You're just trying to take a little off there. You know what I mean? You're take the to, edge off yeah, a little minute, bit. You're trying I mean, to like, sort of, listen, the other way to trade like this a coupon. No, I, I like like buy the, so you're buy the asking me, for full price and then you give the yeah. coupon. You're asking me why not leg into it? Why not pay three bucks for that Jan 70 or 82 put? That's okay. exactly what I'm okay. saying. So that your break even would be down at 79. Let's say it quickly goes to like 80 bucks or 79 and a half. Because then those 72 puts that you sold for 50 cents, theoretically, they're going to be worth a they're not going to move that much okay, if, fair if the stock or the ETF moves down there. And I want to tell you, maybe, maybe you guys can all, this, this is a little like the more, this you know, like baseball. So, so here, I just want to say this. So the 72 put right now has less than, it's got about like a 10% probability of being in the money on mm-hmm. January expiration. That's what the options market is saying. So for every dollar that the XHB 
moves in that direction. To the downside. Okay. That put should increase by 10 cents. Okay. So at $79, that put that you would sell maybe for 50 cents or something like that. Yeah. You add, you know, 75 cents. Understood. Fair enough. No, but yes, that, okay. All true. And we should get off this, but you know, vol will start to work in your favor as well. So you're going to get that vol kicker as well. But optionality is your point. Sometimes you just leg into something and then you basically could roll that put down if you got it going the right direction or you could spread it. But I'm with you. I just thought that was a kind of an interesting setup. I I agreed with you. So going back, let's move it along here because I know we got to get out of here soon. Let's look at the NASDAQ 100 because this is obviously this is the the money interesting chart poured into that word into most the interesting stock man in the world those beer danny moses is the most interesting yeah. man in the world well, let's so today he's just over he's a, you know why he's in a bad, he wanted to golf today he That's wanted, he wanted you know do. but he i'll tell listen again two years ago he won the pro-am yeah he did danny moses yeah, he emerged victorious last year i think there was some sort of accounting irregularities oh, and really? he wound up being third and i know that he was upset about this because i think last year he felt as if his team probably acquitted themselves better than the year that they won. Yeah. This year, coupled with you, me, who probably wasn't going to pull a club out of my bag, and some guy that we've never met before, Ned but Campbell. it didn't necessarily... Who? Ned Campbell. Ned Campbell. Ned's watching the shine. Shout there. out. Shout out, um, But, you know, we were coupled with the best, basically the best player in the world. Celine so as long as Danny's game was okay, yeah. didn't matter what we did, no. she was going to carry us along with Danny, and we would have stood at the podium this evening at the awards ceremony and gotten another, you know, emerged victorious hit again. His name would have been etched in some sort of, what they put him on, like a bell or something? Or yeah, maybe a bell. And no that, bond so, today. you know, when you go out there, you're all geared up. He was on the driving range, as were you, yeah. hitting some balls. All of a sudden, it starts to drizzle. Ball. Then they say, okay, we're going to push it back, 9.15, 9.30, 10, 10.30, blah, 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 canceled. And that's, you know what? I did a little Instagram story. You guys should go to our Instagram. Guy and I uh, both have Instagram. Risk Personal Media has an Instagram so he's page. Upset. I'm Dan S. Nathan, your guy, Dot yeah. Adami. I did a little story from this morning. Um, guy, I want to go back to the but QQQ. Wait, but just to, yes, but just to sort of put a bow on this. Really? We will get him out of his funk later okay. like there's more there's more stuff happening uh what's her name the well, one it's, for an, that, it's an open bar sunday so that, night football the yeah. one i dun, can't dun, wait dun, for sunday dun, night dun, dun, what's her dun, name dun. i don't know oh uh carrie Under- yeah that's her oh she's, she's playing she's tonight playing. okay all right let's look at this qqq the and nasdaq Nicole 100 is here yeah she is here let's look at the nasdaq 100 here so 13 percent rally since that kind of four month low it made a four month low late last month so okay, the, okay, so that's october 26th double top that's what it looks like to you. Yeah. And it's, you know, again, I'm, maybe I'm clutching at straws. I don't think so. But this coincides, obviously, with the move in NVIDIA from 400-ish yeah. to basically 500 over the course of the same period of time, which is remarkable. Yeah. They report, I believe, next week. Ne- November 21st. Which is next week. Well, let's pull so, up the NVIDIA and, chart. And, you know, now, what's going to happen here in terms of the net? NVIDIA is either going to crush it and give another, you know, ridiculous revenue guide that nobody's anticipating mm-hmm. because a lot is in this stock now, or they're going to say something that the street's not going to like. I don't know what it's going to be. Maybe margins start to deteriorate a little bit. I, I don't know. But if you see a mark, listen, over the course since last quarter, you saw the stock go from 500 to 410, back to 470, back below 400 to levels we're seeing now. That's over the course of, Last earnings period to this earnings period. So the volatility is there in the stock. As much as people think it's a straight line higher, it's not. 
And a lot rests on what they say next week. Now, the Bears, myself included, are putting a lot of stock into that, maybe incorrectly. But the move that we've seen in the NASDAQ over the last week and a half is unnatural in a word. Well, I, the, Q, the, the QQQ, okay, got back to that prior high. Um, you know, you got that rising 200-day moving average, yep. which is kind of just came we off. We stopped of, dead at it. Just, you know, last Monday, so I put a QQQ trade on. We did a little market call break-in. Um, the QQQ was 369, and I was looking at the 365, 340 put spread. It cost like 1% of the ETF price. This was in December expiration. So that obviously has gotten blown out. And just to be really clear, we talk about these long premium directional trades, whether they be in stocks or ETFs, um, you've got to use stops on those people, like at least a mental stop where 50% of the premium, if you get wiped out, you don't want to see those go to zero. Um, I will take another crack at this. Maybe that double top is the thing. Let's see how the NASDAQ, let's see how we close today. I also, let's go back to the NVIDIA chart today because this one's interesting. The stock is down 2.3%, guy. It got to a new 52-week and all-time high. It got right back to that period of time that you're talking about from August. And look at the steepness of that rally. And, you know, we talked about it yesterday in the market call. That was like $250 billion in market cap. So we're going to spend a lot more time talking about NVIDIA next week. Um, but the QQQ, I'm getting ready to get back in there. I think some of those stocks look gotta a bit keep swinging the bat. You know, as painful as it is, you know, you got it. And the great thing about what you've been doing is, you know, you get nicked, you get nicked, you get yeah. nicked, and then you catch it. As long as you're disciplined, you don't have to be right 50% of the time. As a matter of fact, yeah. Mike, Mike, uh, Mark Fisher, who in my world, my commodity world, is a legend in the oil trading ring. And he'll tell you flat out, I've heard him speak, you know, he's right 25% of the time, maybe he'll tell you, yet he's able to do well because for those reasons exactly. You know, you get Nick, you get Nick, you're wrong, 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 wrong. Then you catch something and then it's when you start to layer. And it's like being at a crap stable, Danny Moses. You know, you're going to seven out, seven out, seven out. Then somebody, some Johnson out of nowhere goes on some 35, 40 minute roll and that's when you lever things up. And it's the same thing in the stock market. Yeah. Um, you like let, that? Let's talk By the way, Danny, I, I'm sorry yeah. to do this, but Danny's here and he's listening to this, they've just made craps legal, apparently, in the state of Florida. That doesn't help us on this trip. Nope. But we'll be back here in January, not here in Naples, we've been in South Beach. And during that trip, Danny Moses and I have decided we were going to go find a craps table. Nice. And spend a few hours. Anyway, back to you. Um, really if quickly. This, if the folks want to meet us, I don't know where we're going to be. Do you have yeah. enough time to figure it out? Yeah. Um, Amanda, you had a tweet. It was something highlighting some laggards in the market. And folks, maybe it was on the Twitter, um, just suggesting that, you know, you want to kind of, if this market is going to broaden now, you want to go for some laggards, that sort of thing. And you kind of posed the question. A couple of names I've kind of been looking at over the last couple of weeks. One was PayPal. Um, just look at this. You know, I mean, we know the stock's down 80 some percent from its all time highs in 2021. This thing, even in that quarter that they reported about a month ago, wasn't that bad? The stock still sold it's, off. It's it was amazing like a, yeah. to me that given that stock, and, and if we have a longer term chart in PayPal, just to show how yeah, dramatic, I mean, this goes back to a couple of years ago when the stock was starting to decline. Nope. And then there was news that I think they were gonna they were gonna purchase Pinterest, yeah, but they they said you know what they ain't gonna happen. But the market got scared because it said wait a second, even if they're thinking about doing something, they're trying to buy growth. That's not a good sign. The stock continued to decline, and it has you have no bounce in the stock now Nothing. for quite some time. Yet, as you said, here's one that valuations actually okay, and they seem to have, in my opinion, the last quarter was a turning of the corner. But nobody cares. They'd rather the market would rather be in high high valuation, high multiple, mm -hmm. 
you know, growth stocks that seemingly never go, they go down, but they don't go down for long. Yeah, and that's that's a little fugazi to me. Yeah, I mean, the story has just been like the pull forward that they had during the pandemic. This was a company that was doing mid fifties like gross margins. They went up dramatically when you know digital payments or peer to peer was like popping off and everything like that. Now they've come in pretty dramatically, trading about. Ten and a half times next year's expected um, earnings growth of about the same percent, um, you know, sales growth, high single digits or so. Some new management changes today. If you just want to look at the one year chart that I pulled up and, you know, you can see the downtrend. It's pretty simple. You see where that 200 day moving average is. It's up, you know, up there, what, 67 bucks or something like that. So if we're going to continue, if the Nasdaq's going to go back towards those, you know, through those prior highs, you'll see stuff broaden out. Another one that works on valuation too, also a, a beneficiary of the pandemic, this would be Zoom. Mm-hmm. This is also a very profitable company, trades at very cheap relative to expected growth and the like here. Um, look at this thing. I mean, like, could that thing get back towards, you know, 75 bucks like that? You know what I mean? So I just wanted to kind of highlight a couple names um, that were on my radar. All right, guy, we talked about Target earlier. Let's talk about Walmart. Okay, so this one, I think it's going to be important for the retail sector in general, because while a lot of the department stores, a lot of the dollar stores, a lot of some of the weaker, like kind of apparel retailers that have not been doing well over the course of this year, Walmart seems to be eating everybody's mm-hmm. lunch. Okay. The implied move in the options market is about three and a half percent in either direction. You look at the chart there, you see it's on just a runaway breakout here into the print. Um, when you think about it, that, that chart just tells you that expectations are high. And sentiment is very bullish. Mm-hmm. The stock's valuation relative to many of its peers, relative to the market, is very rich. And I just want to make one point. You could put this in the camp not too dissimilar than consumer staples in a way, right? It's very defensive. They've been benefiting from the trade down, that sort of thing. How do you think the setup is into the print? Because I, I just, to me, it seems like the, the, the kind of, the thing that they have to jump over is getting higher and higher by the minute. The answer to that question is not great. Yeah. You know, it, and it, it's just not great, especially now off what we've just heard from Target. Now the expectations have obviously been ratcheted up considerably. And my sense is they're going to have to do something on the margin side of the equation that are going to surprise people the upside. And I'm not sure how that can happen. So again, this was a name that Danny talked about a couple of years ago. Walmart, he liked it. He was correct. I still, I want to be clear. I still think that Walmart-Target relationship can continue. Today's obviously throwing a little bit of a monkey wrench into that. But I'm inclined to say, you know, you take some money off the table into Walmart. And if I'm wrong, I'll come back tomorrow and say it. And you look for a better entry point because the expectations, I think, have been been ratcheted up considerably, given what we've heard over the last 24 to 48 hours. So it's interesting. The stock, we said the implied move is three and a half percent. So if you were going to pick a direction in the weeklies and and again, you know, like you really only need less than two percent either direction. But like the likelihood that this stock can rally the way a target or decline the way a target, which has a much mm-hmm. smaller market cap, doesn't make a lot of sense. So with the stock at 169 right now, the 170 put on this Friday expiration is offered at like 330. That's like 2%, okay? So the dollar in the money. So if you were long this stock, that could be kind of a cheap hedge. Um, or if you just wanted to make an outright bearish bet, that looks kind of interesting to me. I wouldn't buy this with your money guy heading into the print. See, here. that's a put spread that could be interesting. Yeah. And again, I don't want to, but maybe it's the, the 170, one, 160 or I was something like say that. The 168s, one, yeah, 160s, but I, I'm just doing it off the top of my head mm-hmm. because I think you wouldn't mind being put into the stock at a level 
um, and, and if well, you get paid enough, like a one by two or something yeah. like that. But 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 again, like, like listen, you can sell puts, but like the the point is, the move is priced fairly cheap mm-hmm. in, in my opinion. So it, I don't know if you're getting paid to sell puts into the print. Do there. we have a TJX chart real quick? Yeah, because this is one. If you look, you know, I don't want to make a big deal out of this either. But we traded up the levels that we saw back in early September. The stock TJX is off now today on the day again. They needed, and we talked about this on Fast Money the other night, you know, they needed to say some really good things in order for this move to continue. And it's obviously not happening today. It's not an indictment on the company by any stretch of imagination. It's had a heroic run. But, you know, you look, we were traded up there in September, traded all the way back down, made this sort of stair step to the back mm-hmm. to these levels and seemingly failed. Do you want, you got to pick a level here to get back in, but this is not it in my opinion. Yeah, no, it's interesting that we're talking about that not just retail earnings. There's a bunch of other earnings here. Cisco um, reports uh, also tonight after the close, four and a half percent implied move. And you know, this one is actually it, it was interesting. We, we I think we spent some time in the summer talking mm-hmm. about you know Dell, Oracle, uh, you know Cisco, even Hewlett, so IBM, some of these like old you know like like kind of darlings of the of the uh, late '90s, early 2000s. Um, you know, having their day and this stock had come in pretty hard off of their like kind of August highs and had a disappointing um, guide back in August. And the stock's banging around here, you know, pretty decent on valuation. I'm more interested to hear what they have to say about certain regions and demand and, and the like here. And, you know, they're probably going to talk about software. They're going to talk about cybersecurity. They're going to talk about how they're implementing AI for a lot of these sorts of things. So I don't really have anything like a, a trade one way or another. But before we get out of here, I want to hit Palo Alto guy. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this one, I know this has been a stock that you have for for years. It seems like every time this stock moves lower, you have been uh, positive on it for the secular shifts that we're yeah. seeing and, and and the like here. And, you know, there was a time where it felt like it was a lot more expensive. You know what I mean? This was like when the earnings power hadn't really kicked in or so. But this is a company expected to grow earnings 20% a year. For the next few years, and when you think about that, on you know expected um, you know revenue growth of not too different or different, you know margins improving about seventy six percent, expected revenue growth in the high teens. So this year trading about I know this sounds obscene forty seven times and yeah. ten times sales, but it's next can, year forty on eight times. But it's more you can again you can reconcile that a lot easier now than you could a couple of years ago. And one of the arguments that we made, I think correctly, was. It's an expensive stock, but it's the best company in a secular shift that's mm-hmm. been going on. And you have to sort of stay with it. It was painful at times um, that you saw some dramatic moves to the downside because, you know, if they came in in line or slightly missed, the market punished them. And I understand that. But mm-hmm. to me, this is sort of and we'll talk about this maybe at a different show, but What's going on in uranium, there's a secular fundamental shift going on and valuations are stretched, but this is going to be around for a while. The same way that cybersecurity, when we started talking about it in earnest with like Zscaler mm-hmm. and some of these other names in Palo Alto, you could see what was going on, um, but it, you knew there were going to be times where it was going to be really painful to earn the na- own the names. Now, with that said, it is still expensive. Not as expensive as it was with the expected growth rate. But I, I will say this again. 
you ha- I think you have to just sort of stay long PANW and and understand that they're going to be good days and bad days, but they'll be more good than bad. Yeah, you know, it's pretty astounding though, because we just talked about these two companies are reporting Cisco and Palo Alto, and they do compete on a couple different yeah. product areas. So we just said that they're expected to have eight billion dollars in sales this year, trades ten times those sales. It's a seventy six percent gross margin. I just want to put that in context versus Cisco's. Um, market cap of 215 billion. Okay. So 80 versus 215, 10 times sales for Palo Alto and Cisco obviously trades at a much lower multiple, Mm -hmm. but you know, it's got expected to have, let's say $58 billion in sales. And you just look at the margin profile and the like, that's one of the reasons why Cisco has been moving towards recurring revenue models in the software space or whatever. And they have 65% gross margin. So that's how we kind of think about some of these things. You're going to get, you have recurring, when you have visibility like Cisco has the same way IBM had it 10, 15 years ago, you're going to be rewarded in terms of the value. The market will pay a higher yeah. multiple for that visibility, which, you know, Cisco probably doesn't get the valuation it deserves, quite frankly. So we'll see. Yeah. All right. Well, I just wanted to make that comparative. And, and again, so to me, you know, the Palo Alto, though, guy, beat and raise, stock breaks out of that range, but any sort of disappointment um, on margins, on, you know, and, and one of their competitors, Fortinet, um, had a very disappointing quarter. Um, a couple weeks ago, I think, and had a big gap lower, very near its 52-week lows. And it was, you know, at 52-week highs mm-hmm. um, just a few months ago. So um, again, just being cognizant of that. And with an 8% implied move in either direction, just to make a daily sort of move, you know, like a directional bet, you're, you're risking 4% of the stock price. That doesn't look like a great risk reward to me unless you have really good conviction. All right, we covered a lot of ground here. We uh, did. On, We're still in yeah. Naples, Florida. Rain. We're I still mean, here. Apparently it hadn't rained here in quite some time. Yeah, and the one day we needed to be it. nice was not nice. It was yeah. unfortunate. But we're going to get Danny out of his funk. Amanda's still here. Well, we Jacob know. is still here. Timmy and Steven back at HQ. HQ in New York. We're going to go back there tomorrow. I want, some, I want some comments on this shirt in case anybody, you know, cares. Jacob's going to do a little close up on this shirt. It's pretty cool. It's got like banjos and it's boots. Got, it's got... Guitars, boots. I called a banjo. else in there. All right. Well, that's it. We're going to be back tomorrow. I think slightly different time because you and I are going to be heading back to New York. Yeah. What time tomorrow? Probably two o'clock. So stick around. Well, we'll let you know. on there. Carter Worth will be us uh, with us. And we got a great podcast dropping on Friday. Here we do. Danny, you, me had a great conversation with Terry Duffy. And that is always newsworthy. Yes. Or newsmaking. Yes, it will be. All right. Stick around. Stick around. All right. Catch you folks later. Thanks a lot. 